imagine if you could shake off all the insecurities that haunt you and have for years. Imagine if you could just shatter all the lies that limit you and hold you back. And imagine if you could stare down every fear that has crippled you for years. Imagine if you did not have to be overwhelmed by life, but you could be an overcomer in life. This new series, uh, three-week series, has the potential for you to set you free. We are going to look at some hidden issues that all of us struggle with at some point, and we are going to learn how to overcome them through the power of our risen Savior, Jesus. I'm so excited for this series. I need your help to kick it off, okay? Um, I need your help. Jenna, I may or may not have access to the slideshow, so you're in charge. Don't look at me like that. <laughs> I need your help. Uh, could you read this first scripture with me? This is our scripture for the day. Read it out loud with me. Now, before, before we do that, let's read it out loud as if we really believe these words. And let's read it out loud together as if these words carry weight and significance and power. And let's read them out loud like they could change our lives today. Are you with me? Okay, so don't read it out loud if you can't do those things. It's totally fine if you can't. But if you follow Jesus, let's read these words like they're for real. You ready? For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. That first sentence, for God has not given us a spirit of fear. What does that mean? What, what is a spirit of fear? See, here's the deal. Um, some of us are kind of stuck on what I call uh, Facebook theology and driftwood doctrine. We like the little cutesy-poo things everybody puts on the Facebook, and we like to buy the nice-looking stuff at Hobby Lobby that has the nice sayings on it. And you can get stuck in some Facebook theology and driftwood doctrine that's not true. Here's some Facebook theology and driftwood doctrine about fear. I hear this all the time. Fear is the opposite of faith. Sinner. Sounds really spiritual, doesn't it? Like if you were to tell somebody that, you could really sound all superior. Well, if you're afraid, it's just because you don't have faith, loser. <laughs> doesn't that sound super like cutesy-poo and... And really bubbly and, and just great. That if you're afraid, it's just because you lack fear. Or if, if you're afraid, it's just because you lack faith. It's the opposite. That's, that's Facebook theology. That's not scriptural. That statement is not true. The truth is that fear is just faith in a wrong thing. There's no such thing as the absence of faith. Everybody has faith. It is impossible to be a human being and not have faith. 
you had faith in other drivers driving to church today, that they weren't going to be dumb and run you off the road. You had faith in somebody when you turned on your light switch, that the electricity was going to work. You have a lot of faith dropping your little ones off in our nursery and in our preschool. You, you, you live with faith every day. So fear and, fear and faith are not opposites. Fear rises up when you place your faith in a wrong thing, specifically in what I'm going to call the what-ifs. Fear, specifically, is when you have more faith in the what-ifs than you do in God. This is exactly where we find a man named Moses, who we meet in the second book of the Bible. Moses was born a Hebrew, born a slave, but through a, a miraculous incident, he got adopted into and raised in the house of the Pharaoh, the most powerful man in Egypt. He grew up with everything, every privilege. One day as an adult, Moses was walking around the kingdom and he sees one of his fellow Hebrew slaves just getting beat down by an Egyptian. And Moses, something in him snaps and he loses it. And he murders the Egyptian and he buries him in the sand. And then he gets scared. And he runs for his life. He leaves Egypt and eventually Moses finds himself at a place called Mount Horeb. And at Mount Horeb, God visits Moses, and God speaks to Moses in an audible voice, a voice that Moses can hear. And God says to Moses, Moses, I have chosen you. I have set you apart. I have a task I need you to accomplish. I need you to go back to Egypt and say it with me. Let my people go. I'm so old. None of you even know what that, what that you know. But God, God audibly, through a, a bush that's on fire that's not on fire, says to Moses, you're the man, go back to Egypt, rescue all the slaves, get them out of there. He has this holy moment with God, this incredible holy moment where God asks him to do something bold and something daring and something very noble but very dangerous. And I want you to listen to the words that Moses uses to answer God's request. Here's what Moses said. Oh, oh, what, what, if they, what if they don't believe in me? What if they don't listen? And what if they say the Lord did not appear to you? Does this sound like a great man of faith to you? I mean, Moses would go on to be a liberator and a leader. But in this moment, he, he, he is afraid. And he voices his fears with two little words. Well, what if? What if? What if? And it's those two little words that stir up so much emotion in us. What if? It's those two little words, what if, that just lock you down sometimes. It's those two little words, what if, that are the driving force behind every one of your fears. If you have a fear, you have a what if driving it. What if the stock market doesn't bounce back soon enough for me to retire? What if I get the coronavirus here in Artesia, America? You're laughing. That's a real fear. 
What if the wrong person gets elected? <laughs> what if she keeps doing it? What if she never comes back? What if he does it again? What if I'm alone for the rest of my life? What if the medicine doesn't work? What if I'm never happy again? What if they don't return home? What if no one understands me? What if I don't get any likes on my Facebook post? What if you've got yours and I've got mine and they are crippling? They are limiting. They are locking some of you down. What we need to understand is your what ifs are not from God, but they are important. Your what ifs did not come from God because he did, did not give us a spirit of fear, but they are significant and they are real and they are legitimate. And the reason your what ifs are important is because they reveal what you value the most. The things you fear reveal what you value the most. And I bet, like most people, the things you're most afraid of point to something that you value the most, and it's not a bad thing, like children. You're, you're afraid for your children and their upbringing. That's a, not a bad thing. Your marriage, your finances, our country. These are things we all value, and your fears reveal what you value most. So it's important that you know what you're afraid of because they point to what you value most, and they reveal where you trust God the least. So if you want to know what you value most in life, and if you want to know where you are trusting God least in life, just look at your what ifs. Look at the things you fear. Look at the things that cause you to just rise up and swell up in fear. What are they? You ready to get awkward? <laughs> let's, get, let's get honest and let's get awkward. Let's define it. In your notes that we handed out on a piece of paper and in the notes that we sent out on the app, there's a fill in the blank. And I want to challenge you. I want to challenge all of you sitting here to define your what if now. Like type it into your phone or write it onto your piece of paper. Put a name to your fear. Identify your what if. Define it. Really, you should do it. Here's the deal. <clears throat> Some of you are going to get this close today to overcoming your fears. You're going to get so close, and you're going to miss out. Okay? I'm not writing that down. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. I don't have to write that down. <laughs> you're going to miss it because of your whatever. You're going to miss it today because you will never defeat what you will not define. You must first define your fear before you can defeat your fear. So I want to challenge you right here, right now. I'm going to give you some awkward silence. Type it in your phone. Write it on your piece of paper. Speak it to your spouse. Define it now.
if I really wanted to make you awkward, I would make you share it with your neighbor. <laughs> so just be glad. All I'm asking you to do is fill in a blank. Define it. Put a label on it. Give it a name. I'm afraid of losing my marriage. I'm afraid of giving more of my money. I'm afraid my kids will never respect me. Put it in writing. Define it so you can defeat it. Then we're going to get practical. I'm going to give you two kind of what I would call thanks Captain Obvious steps that you are probably aware of but maybe just need to be reminded of that you can use to defeat the fear you've defined. Okay, if you haven't defined your fears, the rest of the talk is totally useless to you. But if you can identify your fear, if you can identify and define your what if, if you've got that in your brain, on your phone, on your paper, then there's some, there's some things you can do to defeat it for good. We're going to talk about them very, very briefly. The first one is define my fear and just choose to trust God anyway. That, you, you, you expect that from the preacher, right? That's the, thank you, Captain Obvious, define it, and then trust God anyway. That's what faith is. Thank you very much. But there's something powerful about saying to yourself and saying to God and maybe saying to your spouse or to your parents or to your kids or to a friend, look, I'm struggling with, but I'm going to choose to trust God anyway. I'm fearful in this area, but I'm choosing to trust God anyway. This is right where we find a young man named David in the Old Testament. David had been chosen and anointed to be the king of Israel. Problem, they already had a king, and his name was Saul. But Saul was not too happy to hear that there was a new king to replace him. So for years, Saul tried to kill David. And for years, David lived on the run because the king was trying to kill him. And one day, David's sitting in a cave, and he sits down, and he writes a song. Now, we call it a psalm. P-S-A-L-M, Psalms, but it was just a song that he wrote, and the Hebrews sang it for, for, for generations, but he sits down while people are trying to kill him, and he writes these words. Listen to what he says. Oh God, have mercy on me, for people are hounding me. My foes attack me all day long. I am constantly hounded by those who slander me, and many are boldly attacking me. But listen to this. But when I am afraid, I will put my trust in you. You see what he's done? He has defined his fear. There are people talking bad about me. They're all over the place, and they're trying to get me, and I'm afraid. But God, when I'm afraid, I'm going to trust you anyway. When I am afraid, I will put my trust in you. I praise God for what he has promised. I trust in God, so why should I be afraid? He's already made the mental shift. Here's my fear. I'm going to trust God anyway. God has made all these promises to me. Why should I be afraid? What can mere mortals do to me? David has this, this understanding that there is more to this life than just this life. I want to share another video with you. Watch this.
So uh, this is my friend Justin, and uh, if you haven't met Justin, you've probably seen him playing uh, on the worship band, and his lovely wife Laura, who uh, you probably met at uh, either Women's Ministry or Pregnancy Resource Center, or at the coffee bar, working at a coffee bar. Justin uh, and Laura have been through kind of a, a rough season of physical health. Yes. You can kind of talk a little bit about that, where you've been and, and what's going on. Sure. Uh, back in December of 2018, uh, uh, it was discovered that the colon cancer I had nine years previously had metastasized to my lung. And uh, so we went in, we had that removed. No treatment or anything, the surgery took care of it. And then this past Christmas, I uh, started having, you know, balance problems and headaches and nausea. And, and we did an MRI and we found out that that same gastrointestinal cancer had spread to my brain. So I had immediate brain surgery. And uh, of course, after that, we had to do some radiation. And now we're going through uh, treatment of chemo for the next uh, 18 weeks. So you, you last week, um, you came to church and you were warming up with the praise band and we met in the hallway yes. and I said, how you doing? And you said, I spent all day yesterday in the fetal position. True. It was a bad day for I you. did. <laughs> it was rough. But you were here the next day to, to help the band, to yes. lead in worship. And you said something to me that has just been stuck in my soul and stuck in my brain. I wrote it down because I didn't want to forget it. Do you remember what you told me? It was something along the lines of, I'd rather be hardened in this fire than left to get soft in my comfort. <laughs> I'd rather be hardened in this fire than be softened by my comfort. Right. What, talk about the faith behind that. What does that mean? What that means to me is when I get soft in my comfort means that I take the good things that God has given me uh, to refresh myself and to relax and to recharge to, that we're supposed to use while we walk along beside Him and serve Him and minister to others just to keep us fresh and stay in his word uh, but sometimes i get complacent and i get lazy and, and i start enjoying the things that he gave me to relax more than i start walking with him and just using those to get myself recharged wow. and i begin to get selfish and the next thing i know it's been a few days i may have missed a bible study because i'm thinking about something else and I'm focused on me instead of what I should be focused on. And uh, the next thing I know, a, a fear starts to creep in because we're in spiritual warfare. And when I go to work, you know, that I may be the only Bible my coworkers ever see, as a friend, pastor of mine always tells me. So, uh, yeah, and I just feel like I'm getting weak. I'm not prepared for the fight, you know, uh, spiritually. Wow. And uh, yeah, the flip side of that is, we know that we get stronger through exercise and we exercise our faith more uh, when we face challenges, physical pain, emotional pain, psychological pain. And the reason I prefer to grow stronger and put up with the physical pain is because that other pain of growing soft and getting fearful and drifting away from God, that's a soul pain. That's a, that's a pain that's far worse than any physical pain that, that could bother me. And it's much better to be physically uh, in pain, but spiritually fit and ready for the fight. Wow. So you can take it to people, you know, and, and, and witness and draw them towards Christ. So there are probably people watching this either in the auditorium or years from now online 
um, who are facing something you're facing, maybe you know they're scared to death to hear the word cancer, mm-hmm. or, or maybe they're just facing a, a struggle with their family um, and they're afraid. What do you say to somebody today who's got fear? Well, uh, I, have, I have trouble remembering chapter and verse of scripture, but I can remember precepts. But I can remember this one, and it's 2 Timothy 1.7. And it says, God did not give us a spirit of fear. He gave us a spirit of power and love and discernment. And in, those, in that one verse, we understand that we don't, God didn't give us fear. So if we're fearful, it comes from somewhere else, which means it's not any good. And if we apply that discernment and that power with love to other people, it doesn't matter what's going on with us because we're focused on sharing that with other people. You know, Jesus said we would do greater things than heal cripples. And that is bring them to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And we can only do that if we overcome the things in our life that pertain to just this physical realm. And if we look towards the eternal rather than the temporal, it makes it a whole lot easier to overcome those challenges. one man given a task go face something dangerous who says well what if what if what if (laughs) we have another man who says this is just making me stronger because this earth is not my home and the worst cancer can do to me is kill me (laughs) acknowledge your fear Define it. Trust God anyway. Second step. Confess your fear and seek God. Confess it and seek God. David wrote a different song. Here's what he said. I sought the Lord and he answered me and check this out. And he delivered me from all my fears. What? I sought the Lord. I was seeking God. I was pressing into God. I was following God. I was doing everything I could to get as close to God as I possibly could. He heard my prayers, and he answered me, and here's how he answered. He set me free from a few of my fears. Nope, from most of my fears. Nope, from all my fear. Can you imagine living like that? Like you had been delivered from all the things that cause you fear? You seek God. I believe with all my heart that can happen. I want to push time out. I want to over-spiritualize this because sometimes following God He might lead you to a doctor to help you with your fears. And that's legit. Following God sometimes means he might lead you to a counselor to help you with your fears. And that's legit. If you read the rest of this, this song that David wrote, Psalm 34, the beginning of it, he's inviting other people along with him. 
Sometimes following God and defeating your fears means you're going to need a group to support you. Press in. Seek God. He can deliver you from all fear. I love this quote from a, a book called Jesus Calling. If you haven't read that, it's a great devotional book. The author says this. We often glance at God, but gaze at our fears. You found that to be true for you? I find it to be true for me way too often. That I'm gazing at my fears. I'm focused on what I'm afraid of. And every once in a while, I'll look to God. When I'm really desperate, I'll look to God. If we could flip the script and just gaze at God, focus on him, press in, seek him. And then every once in a while, just kind of glance at our fears. We would defeat our fears. What is fear? Fear is putting more faith in the what ifs than the I am. Fear is putting more faith in the what ifs than in God. I'm praying that many of you would leave this place different today. You would leave this place an overcomer because you've identified it. You're going to trust God anyway. You've confessed it and you're going to keep chasing after God. I want to close with um, a quote from a man named John Wesley. If you've never heard of him, he was a great, great circuit preacher back in the 1700s. And John Wesley said this, I've never known more than 15 minutes of anxiety or fear. And if you knew his background, that statement would shock you. I've never known more than 15 minutes of anxiety or fear. Whenever I am fearful, whenever I feel fearful emotions overtake me, I just close my eyes and I thank God that he is still on the throne reigning over everything, and I take comfort in his control over all the affairs of my life.